Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thank you for taking time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to thank you for something and make you aware of something. First, thank you. Our sermon podcast had almost 15,000 listens in the last year. You listened to the sermons I preached this year from France, Spain, the Netherlands, Malaysia, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, Mongolia, Ukraine, and others. You listened from all over the United States. And if you include older sermons that have gained traction, then you listened from over 50 countries. And this is all just through the podcast. It doesn't include our website, YouTube, or live streaming, which was a big part of what we did last year. I'm amazed at how far my sermons reach, but what amazes me even more is thinking about the people that these numbers represent. I really do marvel at the idea of someone in a country, maybe with little access to biblical preaching, listening to my sermon and it being used by God to change their life. That's amazing. Here's how there can be more lives impacted this year. If you leave a rating and review on whatever podcast site you listen on. I know, I know that that just seems so simple, but it really is how podcasts determine what gets heard. One of my most listened to sermons is on in-laws. It seems that people all over the world are looking for answers on how to deal with their in-laws. And man, I really want people to find those answers through biblical preaching rather than all of the other things that might come up when they search. And so please, 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 please leave us a rating and review if you find these sermons and this podcast helpful. Okay, one more thing. You may have heard me mention this on a prior sermon, but our website recently received an update to its sermon page. We've categorized many of our sermons, and now you can just click a category and see all the series that we've done in those categories. We're going to be adding more categories in the future, but for now, if you're interested in exploring, head over to wilsonville.church slash sermons. One example is that there's a category called Jesus Sermons. If you were to click on that, you'd be taken to like 30 different sermon series on the works, words, and nature of Jesus. If you want to know Jesus better and, and learn to know Jesus better while you're driving to work, for example... I think it could be really helpful to head on to our head over to our sermons page. So to summarize, I appreciate you listening. Please leave a rating and review and check out our new sermons page. Again, thanks for taking time to listen to this sermon. And as always, I hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. You know, so many people that I know uh, feel like you know, everything that they've worked for, maybe in their whole adult life, has been, has kind of crumbled this year a little bit, and I feel some of that here at this church, and uh, not all of it's crumbled. You're still here, and, uh, and I, I think good things about you. You still laugh at my jokes, um, and so I appreciate that, but, but, you know, like, I mean, for me personally, I, I, I've spent 10 years pastoring this church, and then all of a sudden, it, it's it's like we're half the size and have half the ability to do ministry and half the volunteers. And it's like it just got wiped out. That's how it feels. And I've talked to friends who in restaurants uh, feel the same thing. You know, they're barely hanging on despite having done all the right things, you know, uh, for a very long time to be successful. I think uh, a lot of people feel that right now in, in various capacities. And I mean, you've heard of stories, right? Like 
famously when the stock market crashed, but I did look this up and it's not true, but like when the stock market crashed before the Great Depression, Black Thursday, is that what they call it? Black Sunday, one of those, that's a band. Black Thursday, I think. Um, and, uh, and like there's the pictures of people jumping out of the windows, which is apparently not true. It's just a myth. But, but we, we know that that happens in people's lives, right? Like they, they lose all of this stuff, whatever the stuff is, and it, it destroys them. Uh, it destroys them. And, 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 you know, I think for a lot of people, that sometimes that ends in suicide. I think we're seeing some of that this year as suicide rates go up. You can point to a lot of reasons for that. But one of them is that kind of a lot of the stuff that people have built their lives upon has been taken from people. And, and so they're, they're left wondering what they ought to do. But uh, today, we're going to look at this, this wonderful thing that Jesus says, and, and it really tells us where we can build our lives, how we can build our lives in such a way that, that, that what we've built can never, will never be taken from us. That's, that's how Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, for those of you that haven't been around, we're, we're finishing today. You've come at a weird time for the first time, but we, we, we're finishing uh, a series of sermons on the Sermon on the Mount, and it actually goes back three years because we've taken a chapter in Scripture of the Sermon on the Mount uh, over several years, but, but we've been looking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, really the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' longest recorded sermon in the Bible, and Jesus finishes with this, this parable, this illustration that's that's incredible. I mean, I, there's a song. I was drawn to this parable as a kid. It was one of my favorite things in, in all of the Bible. My kids are, uh, they love the song. They're drawn to this parable. It's a parable that I think, you know, we could have kept all the kids in the service. And, and when we get to this idea that we're going to get to in a second, like all of us can understand what Jesus is saying, and he's really wrapping up this conclusion. This is it. This is the final point, and, and he tells this incredible uh, parable. I mean, and we've asked the question. I mean, you got to ask the question: What does it look like to enter through the narrow gate? If you are here for that, and what does it look like to produce good fruit in your life? And what does it look like to be welcomed on the last day when judgment strikes? What does it look like to be welcomed? And, and all of that poses this giant question: Like, what does it look like? to follow Jesus, and, and why is that the better decision? Jesus has been giving us two choices. You either live for him or you don't. One ends well and one ends badly. He's given us really this just, this just black and white decision. You're with me or you're not with me. And at the end of this, he says, here's, here's one of the great reasons that you should be with me. Here's, here's how the Sermon on the Mount finishes in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Now, don't forget the context of this parable. Last week, I, I showed you that Jesus said, the highest sign of authenticity in our faith is not public proclamation, but private devotion. And then I also said, the highest sign of authenticity is not public work, but private worship. And here, Jesus really builds on those 
two ideas. That the most important authenticator of your faith is not what people can see, but what's inside of you. The way you live your life for God, even when nobody sees it. He builds upon this idea. And he really contrasts two things here. Last week, he contrasted saying and doing. We can say one thing, but really do other things. We can say we love Jesus, but not really live for him. And this week, he contrasts something different, hearing and doing. It's one thing to hear what God has said. It's one thing to hear the Sermon on the Mount specifically. It's another thing to live it out. And he offers these two foundations, these two foundations that we'll talk about, putting into practice his words or, or just hearing them. Now, what I find interesting about this is that foundations usually cannot be seen. Foundations are not what you see in a person's life or in the physical world. In this parable, I think Jesus would tell us that the the buildings that are built can look almost exactly the same. The only question is the foundation. The difference really can only be seen when the rains and the streams and the winds start to come at the foundation. For those of you who are building Christian lives without being true followers, I, I think that this parable reminds you, reminds us, that it will all crumble to the ground when the storms of life come at you. John Calvin said, sometimes a storm or crisis or calamity betrays what manner of a person we are. For true piety is not fully distinguished from its counterfeit till it comes to its trial. Last week, we we saw this, right? We saw that, that Jesus said like, hey, like, you can look like a Christian, you can look like somebody who's following me, but it, it just might not be true. The true test is whether you are actually serving God when nobody sees you. And now he says to us, there's another test. When trial comes, when life gets hard, when serving Jesus is difficult, in those moments, you're going to learn whether you are a true follower of Christ or not. Frankly, I think we've seen this in our, in our country in the last year. It's become harder, I think, in a lot of ways to do what God has called us to do. COVID and the restrictions around it have, have made it challenging to continue to live for Jesus. And what have we seen in American churches? Lots of people have just disappeared. And I don't mean like, hey, if you're online, I'm not talking to you specifically. I'm talking about people who have just said, you know what? Why am I doing this in the first place? And they've just left, not just the church, but they've really left living for Jesus altogether. The storms of life, when it gets hard, you're going to find out whether or not you truly believe the things that you tell people you believe or not. We see this, I mean, right now in Afghanistan, this is, this is what we're seeing, right? A lot of people are finding out that they really believe what they thought they believe because they're giving their lives. They are giving their lives for the sake of Christ in order to stand up and say, you know what, I, whether you kill me, whether you, you sell me, whether, whatever you do to me, whether you torture me, I believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. The storms of life reveal our true foundation whether we're really, whether we're really Jesus followers or not. 1 John 2, 4 says, whoever says, I know him, but does not 
do what he commands, is a liar and the truth is not in that person. James 2, 14 through 20, I saw it last week, or I read it last week, but I would say read it again, consider it, he says, faith without works is dead. Now the other part of this, the other part of this that I think Jesus would want us to, to grasp from his finishing parable is that we're all building our lives on some foundation, are we not? Now the building might look like a million different things. What we build can look, you know, just like about anything, right? It's, it's probably as unique as, and as uh, different as the, in, in ways as there are people. But there's only, and this is what Jesus has been getting at, the whole conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount is like, there's only two options here. There's me or not me. And now he says, there's only two ways to build your life. There's me or there's everything else. There's me following me, serving me, doing what I say, and there's everything else. You build your life on Jesus and his words or you build your life on something else. I would come back to this year, right, and, and so much of, of our lives and, and what we have tried to build has been taken from us. But the one thing that cannot be taken from us is the true, is the true internal things of life that have been built upon Christ. So many people are wrecked because the external stuff, the things they've built their life on has crumbled beneath them. And, and the things that they thought were important and valuable have been, are gone. But for those of us who have built our lives on Christ, the important stuff still stands. It hasn't gone anywhere. They can take our money. They can, they can take our, our, you know, our friendships. Like everything can disappear. Our health can go away. It can all be taken from us. But the important things of life stand when you've built your life upon Christ. That's what Jesus is saying here. There's only one way to build a life that, that is eternal, that, that has the same, it, it's the same eternally no matter what, and that is to build your life upon Christ. I mean, your business, our fun activities, our earthly dreams, our health, our friends, they can, that all can be taken from us. It can just disappear. But nothing should be able to take my joy or my hope or my peace or my love or my security because, because those things are built on the foundation of Christ. And I'll tell you, this is just personally. I mean, I've seen the areas where I've tried to, I've tried to get a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of I'm building my own foundation this year because there are areas of my life that I just feel utterly depressed about right now. And you quickly see when the storms hit, like which parts of your life weren't so much built on the rock. Maybe they were built on the sand, even to Jesus' earlier points, even if they looked really spiritual and really godly to everybody around you. I think most pastors know that they've idolized the churches in which they've served in, right? And I've felt some of that this year because it's depressing to look around and say, wow, so much of what I worked for is gone. And, and those things can be depressing. But in those ways, I was building my life on the sand. It just looked a little more spiritual than, than maybe somebody else's restaurant or whatever company they might run or own or work at. It's interesting because... Man alive, I was, in, I was in Long Beach, Washington this week. Pretty cool place. Pretty weird place, but pretty cool place. And, and there's this lighthouse. It's called the North Head 
lighthouse. Really pretty. I like lighthouses. Uh, they look good on Instagram. And, uh, and here, let me just ask you a very simple question. Do you think it was built on, the, on a rock or on sand? You can answer. It's built on the rock, right? So uh, I looked this up, and I, I just did a quick Google search. I didn't look at every lighthouse that exists in the United States or anything, but I, but I did a quick Google search. Do you know where they're always built? On the rock. They're always built on rock because, because if they were on the sand, eventually it would erode, and it would crumble, and it would crash. The lighthouse would no longer stand. And as I read at the North Head Lighthouse this week, it's built to last. They're built to last. And I wonder, if we could go all the way back to the beginning, Jesus calls us to be lights, city on a hill. And if that's going to last, then we have to build our lives on him. We have to build our lives on him. I mean, I would just ask, do you think you can build your life on the sand and have it survive the storms of life? Like, if you build your life on the American dream, cultural norms, the examples of your heroes, or anything else, hasn't the world taught you in the last year that all of that will eventually crumble? There is nothing that we can build our lives upon that will stand the test of time and the storms of life except for doing the words, living out the words of Jesus. That's it. That is the only thing. We believe this this eternal, incredible story as Christians that, that I think can get pushed to some back place of our lives. Like We believe that God loved us so much that he came from heaven to earth to die for our sins and he came back to life. Like That's pretty incredible and he, and he just he offers us through his Holy Spirit and through his word, the Bible, he offers us this incredible gift of eternal life and the perfection, the glory of heaven. This is an incredible story and it calls us, this is what Jesus has been telling us, it calls us to give ourselves entirely to Jesus, to, to say, I sacrifice, I give everything that I was, everything that I aspired to be, every hope and every dream, I give it all to you, it's all yours, you can have all of me. He calls us to that. He says, if you give me that, then I'll give you a life that can never be taken from you. And we look at this world and we know it's a giant mess. I, I mean, if Americans can agree on one thing right now, <laughs> it's that the world is really messed up. Uh, and it always has been and it always will be. And we believe this incredible story that calls us to build our entire lives upon it and more importantly, him who is at the center of the story. But yet sometimes we're like, I'll just, I'll just build a little bit of it on the sand. But those things will be wiped away. They'll be wiped away. If you really believe that story, then why not build, build your life upon the rock? Build your life upon Jesus. He is the one who has never changed. He's the Alpha and Omega. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is our God, and yet he is our Savior. And he allows us to call him friend. And I don't know why we try to build upon anything else. Because we all know the rest of it. It, it, it isn't satisfying. My grandma will forgive me, but it sucks. <laughs> and more to Jesus' point, 
the foundation is so weak that it will crumble at the littlest wave or wind or struggle or hurt or pain. It just doesn't stand up. I mean, Jesus in Luke 6, 46 through 49, he says it this way, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug, down, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and has not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Man, the torrent struck this year, did it not? And, and, and man, I know a lot of people right? Like a lot of people, you know I was going to build something up here, like whose entire lives have been, you know, built over here, which is hard to do. They've been built like this, right? And, and this year, it's just, you know, like that's happened. You got to go down too. And some of you, some of you, some of you here, some of you watching online, you don't feel like you can rebuild it. You're like, I spent decades. I spent decades. I got a degree. I got a second degree. I worked my butt off. I spent decades building that, and it's all been taken from me. And this morning, I think Jesus is saying to you, start over. That's okay, but build it somewhere else that will withstand the storms of life. We, so much of it has been taken from us, but it can never, the, the thing that can never be taken is when we dig down deep and we build the foundation of our lives on Jesus. You wonder why people are willing to die in Afghanistan for their faith when so many Americans are not willing to do anything for their faith, right? So many of us are not willing to do anything. It's because they've built their lives on the rock. Our society calls us, begs us, advertises to us to build our lives on the sand. I mean, every day we are faced with things trying to compel us to build our lives on the sand. And Jesus is saying, come on, guys, you got two choices, and only one is going to last. For those of us who are Christians, I think there's something so important and compelling here, too, because some people, their entire lives are built on the sand, and I know I said there's a choice, but some of us, like, we have things over here, like, we got part of our lives over here. This is how we're trying to live, right? And this is, you know, we're trying to do partly over here and partly over there, and, and, and this is, I think, a moment for you as we finish this series. This is a moment for you to, to assess that and say, you know what? Like, Why? Why am, I, why am I trying to, you know, ride two horses? Why am, I, why am I trying to serve God in money or God in the world or God in social media or God in whatever, you know, fill in your own blank? Like, why am I trying to do that when this is ultimately going to go down? Whether now because of COVID and everything surrounding it or something else later, it's going to go down. And maybe for those of you who aren't Christians, I'm saying build somewhere else, build somewhere new. But for those of us who are Christian, stop being so middle because only one of these things matter. Invest more in the things that are on the rock and less in the things that are on the sand. 
The message of the Sermon on the Mount says, neither an intellectual knowledge of him, Jesus, nor a verbal profession, though both are essential in themselves, can ever be a substitute for obedience. The question is not whether we say nice, polite, orthodox, enthusiastic things to or about Jesus, nor whether we hear his words, listening, studying, pondering, and memorizing until our ends are stuffed with his teaching, but whether we do what we say and do what we know. It's about, do. look, if you want, like, you go, how do I build over here? Like, do what Jesus wants you to do. Do what Jesus wants you to do. Give your life to Jesus and and do what he wants you to do, which he also wants to give you his life. The message of the Sermon on the Mount also says, thus the sermon ends on the same note of radical choice of which we have been aware throughout. Jesus has not set before his followers a string of easy ethical rules so much as a set of values and ideas which is entirely distinctive from the way of the world. Entirely distinctive from the way of the world. He summons us to renounce the prevailing secular culture in favor of the Christian counter-cultural. Culture, culture. And I wrote not t-shirts because I don't mean just buy the t-shirt, right? Listen to what Jesus has said. Listen to this. I'm just gonna try to give you all the, the big points of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's all the big points of the Sermon on the Mount. Be salt, a positive influence on the world. Be light, which means to be revealers of God's good or revealers of God through good works. Be righteous. We know this can only be done through Christ. Avoid anger. Don't name call. Reconcile with those who have something against you. Don't lust. Don't get divorced unless there's idolatry. Be truth tellers. Help those who disrespect you. Love your enemies. Secretly give to the needy. Pray in the secret of your closet. Pray simply. Fast secretly. Serve Jesus, not money. Store your treasures in heaven. Don't worry. Don't judge others, but help them remove sin. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's more culturally weird today than it was even at the time to do what Jesus has said you should do. We cannot get caught up in the trap of being just like everybody else, name calling, fighting, not turning another cheek, telling everybody else they're idiots. We cannot be caught up in that. We must build our lives on the rock that is Jesus by doing his word. If we haven't learned it in the last year, we're never going to learn it. This world just has nothing to offer us that's going to stand. It just doesn't. And so for all of you, become Christians. I mean, what would I have left (laughs) if it wasn't Jesus? Become Christians. Like, just give your life to Jesus. It's an incredible trade. The world still sucks and still hard and... I mean, storms still hit. <laughs> Jesus' parable would be so dumb if being a Christian meant that storms of life would never come again, right? They still come. But at least at the end of the day, you're still on a firm foundation. And for those of us that are Christians, just renounce the sand. Say, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm going to build my life on doing what, what Jesus has called me to do. Go home, read the Sermon on the Mount, and ask yourself, where am I doing this? Where am I not doing this? Is this, is my, does my life align, or does it not align? Am I actively trying to do what Jesus wants me to do, or am I just living the American dream, or the cultural norm, or whatever it might be? I think if you'll become a Christian, you'll, you'll, 
do your best to just do what he wants from you, then you will know how true these famous words are. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let me pray that you will know that to be true. Lord Jesus, so many foundations were just wiped out this year. So many people right now feel like they have nothing to live for. I know, God, a lot of young people feel like that. They wanted their American dream too, and it doesn't look like they can have it, at least not in the way they wanted it. And I pray, Lord, that, that people would find hope and comfort in this parable. I pray that they'd find hope and comfort in the fact that there is a foundation that we can build our lives on where what we build cannot be, will not be taken from us in this life or the next, Lord. I pray, God, that you would bring hope and comfort in that. And I also ask, God, that we would see this as a great warning. Lord, that we would see the warning here that, that if we build on anything else, it just doesn't stand. It's destroyed in the end. It's destroyed in this life and the next. And I pray in that warning, Lord, we would, we would, we would, and in the hope and the comfort that, God, every person who hears this sermon would, would either choose to give themselves to you. They would become a Christian, God, by believing that you came from heaven and earth, died for their sins, came back to life, and then giving themselves to you, God, building their lives on your foundation. And then, and then God, I pray uh, that in that warning, we, we, would, we would assess our lives and, and really ask, are we building on the foundation that is you? And God, if we're not, then just let us build on the rock. All this other stuff can be taken. Much of it has. But what we build in you cannot be. And so I pray we would build, we would build our lives on you, the firm foundation, the rock, Lord. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.